This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System Live back in our regular scheduled slot. 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, on a Tuesday. It's Carlin Gay. It's Scott Rafferty. We are across the NBA Global Networks talking basketball one week out from the start of the regular season, Scott. How you feeling, my man? <laughs> I I don't know who I'm feeling better than uh, this week because there's just so much going on in the NBA right now in the week leading up to the regular season. But I'm doing well. I'm very excited. There's a lot going on, as I said, which is going to make for a fun show. How are you doing? I can't complain. It's, uh, like I said, a week out from the start of real basketball. We've had basketball. We've had some preseason basketball. Not like we've been locked all the way in on preseason basketball, but we have been watching here and there, and Scott are going to give you our thoughts on some things that we may have learned from preseason basketball. The WNBA Finals off and running. Game 2 coming up on Wednesday. We'll give you a quick update on that. Uh, Ben Simmons all of a sudden just randomly showed up to Sixers facility and said, hey, I'm back. Uh, We'll talk about that in a second. But we got to start off the top with news that's really hot off the press for us. If you're listening in podcast world, you probably have already consumed this. But live here across the NBA Global Networks, we are breaking down the Kyrie Irving situation in Brooklyn. Uh, News broke by multiple reporters, Shams, Woj, Chris Haynes, everyone. Um, well, it wasn't really a news break. It was more of a press release from the Brooklyn Nets that was then spilt out to us, the fans, uh, via all those reporters. But uh, And we'll give you the Coles notes here. Um, Sean Marks basically saying that uh, Kyrie Irving is not going to be eligible to play for the Brooklyn Nets until he's eligible to play, meaning um, right now he's not eligible. We know that the vaccine situation, he, he talked about it being a personal choice. In those, uh, in that press release, Sean Marks made remark. You know, he, he brought that up. He said, "You know what? Kyrie has every right to have that personal de- decision, but we as a team are going to go this way and not allow Kyrie to play half the games, which he would have been eligible for, um, but he wouldn't have been eligible to play at home for the Nets. So that only made him available for 41 games out of the year. So to tie a bow on it." Kyrie Irving, as of right now, will not play this season with the Brooklyn Nets until he is eligible to play, according to the team. Uh, Scott, where do you sit on it and uh, and your thoughts on the Kyrie Irving situation right now? I mean, it's a lot. We're talking about a, a Nets team that going into the season has the best odds to win the championship. We've talked about them a lot. Um, you almost kind of... It's crazy to think sometimes when you think back on it that like this is a team that has Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant in their prime they're also deep like that they've got depth at every single position a ton of veterans a ton of former all-stars like this team has everything that you'd want in a title contender um so to not have you know Kyrie Irving who is one of the I don't know top 20 25 best players in the league one of the best scorers a guy who was tied with Kevin Durant for team high honors in scoring last season became the ninth player in NBA history to, to shoot 50 40 90 in a single season the talent is undeniable and you know I, I still think this team has obviously a very good chance to win the title of the season because they still have James Harden and Kevin Durant who are two top 10 players um, but if you look at all the numbers like 
when the three of them were together last season in the very small sample sizes that we saw, I mean, they scored at a rate of 119.6 points per 100 possessions, which is equivalent to like the best offensive rating we've ever seen from a team by a mile. Um, and then in the six ra- six playoff games they played with each other, which admittedly a small sample size, they scored at a rate of 135.4 points per 100 possessions together, which is just, that that's like video, you, you might not be able to do that in a video game. Um, so obviously the fact that they don't have Kyrie Irving as that third piece is going to require other people to step up. I think, you know, James Harden was essentially their point guard when he joined them last season. He was very pass first. Um, he's probably going to take more of the scoring load now until you know, and as as it remains that Kyrie is not a part of this team, um, Kevin Durant might have to shoulder a bigger load. Um, someone like Patty Mills, who I, I picked him as my preseason, going into the season, my favorite for sixth man of the year. I think his role is going to be bigger until um, if Kyrie Irving does, doesn't come back this season. So there's, this, this team is still incredibly talented. This team should still compete for a title. Um, but, you know, not having him... It, it, there's also like a safety net too, right? Like we saw it last season. James Harden went down with that injury in game one of that second round series. Then Kyrie got injured in what, game four or five it was? Um, so, you know, it, even if just one of Harden or Kevin Durant goes down, that puts a lot more pressure on this team. I agree. You're, you're absolutely right. It does put a ton of pressure on this team. But I will say this. I'm actually in love with the way that Sean Marks has handled every situation since Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant came together uh, in Brooklyn. And this is another situation where I think he, he handled it the best he could. Uh, and, and this is the outcome that's going to come out of it. it. It really does feel like he, some teams, and I'm not going to name names, but some teams uh, have a tendency for us in the media and, and fans alike to question whether or not they are in charge in the front office, to question whether or not uh, the players are running the asylum. It doesn't feel like that in Brooklyn. Um, you know, there, there was questions around whether or not Sean Marks should go out and get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the first place. He went out and did that without question and didn't, didn't waver in his decision in doing that. And remember, Kevin Durant was injured uh, you know, when, when Sean Marks signed him. Knew he had to wait an entire season before both those players would be on the floor together. Um, you know, there, there was the head coaching situation that maybe could have been handled a little bit better between, uh, you know, the Nets players and and the uh, and uh, at the time, um, Keith, Ak- it was it Keith Atkins- Atkinson is his name? Yes. Yes. Keith Atkinson, the, the head coach was there uh, and Sean Marks quickly. Sorry, Kenny Atkinson. Ke- Kenny Atkinson. Why, why am I thinking? Keith? <laughs> uh, Kenny Atkinson is his name. Uh, but there, Sean Marks quickly and, and, and really delivered the blow there that, uh, you know, sent Kenny Atkinson packing and brought in Steve Nash and didn't waver in that. You know, Steve Nash, a first time head coach, hadn't coached at all in the NBA. Sean Marks brings him in and the Nets, were, you know, were a couple wins away from making it to the conference finals. And some might even say the finals uh, a season ago in Steve Nash's first year. Granted, he did have the talent, but that's also because of Sean Marks going out and getting James Harden. When many people said, why would you go out and get James Harden? It's going to cause problems. It's going to cause issues. There's only one basketball, all these other things. How great does that James Harden trade look right now uh, with, you know, mm-hmm. the uncertainty around Kyrie every this season? Um, there's still going to be a championship contender. And then you mentioned the, the the depth that this roster does have. Yeah, it's a lot of old dudes. Yeah, it's a lot of vets. But there are guys that can step up. Patty Mills will now step into that situation for Kyrie Irving uh, until he's able to come back fully to the team. And Patty Mills probably wasn't on the radar for many people to, to, to be a, a big off-season signing. Um, but he was. You know, his, his performance in the Olympics is great. And then he's a guy that's a veteran 
that could start, could come off the bench. Doesn't matter the situation. He's he doesn't have to play with the ball, so James Harden could continue his role. It is a perfect situation. Another shooter on the floor now to create some space for James Harden and Kevin Durant to go to work. Sean Marks goes out and, and you know pulls that trigger on that uh, huge deal. So I really really like the way that Sean Marks has handled uh, you know the last couple of years in the front office for the Nets coming down with this swift decision. He handled it the right way on, on media day when they were asking questions about the vaccine uh, and, and what they would do. He, he, he took his time. It wasn't a, a rash decision. He took his time and got all the facts out there and, you know, a week out enough time for the team to, to come to terms with it. I'm sure there's people in that locker room that probably don't agree with, you know, what, what the organization maybe have, has decided. Maybe everyone's 100% on board. Maybe they've talked behind closed doors. Whatever they've done, the bottom line is, is it looks to me, at least, that Sean Marks has come down swiftly and made the decision. And when you have organizations that feel like they are in charge and it's not the players in charge, those are the type of organizations that I feel win championships. The, the last couple of years, the GMs that have made the decisions and and and, and really built teams and not kind of – been pulled in either direction by players or, or or even coaches or whatever it may be, those are the type of teams that have won the championships. And I think that the Nets, maybe their Vegas size might fall a little bit without Kyrie Irving, but I do think that they still have a, a great shot at winning an NBA title. And I might even back them a little bit more now uh, because of the fact that this team is able to handle adversity. It's been you know, I don't think since since Kyrie and, and Katie have arrived in Brooklyn, there's always been something around this team. It was like, hey, when do we bring that Kevin Durant? Do we bring him back for this season? Do we bring him back for the playoff run in the bubble and all that stuff? And they said, no, we shut it down and it, we're playing the long game here. And then you know, James Harden coming in and, and everything else, and they handled that well. Steve Nash being the first time head coach, you didn't really hear much about that, right? Last year, like it's it's weird right. that Steve Nash went through a whole season and it feels like he's been there for 20 years now, like he's been head coach all the time. And and his his bench changed, uh, you know, over the offseason. We didn't even hear any questions about that when this time last year it was, well, he's bringing in D'Antoni. Is there going to be a power struggle here? Is you know, uh, Amari Stoudemire is now on the on the bench. Is there going to be issues? That, there was all these things, and you don't hear any of that. It, it, it is remarkable the way that they have been able to dodge uh, every. It feels like every minefield that they've been able to kind of dodge those that they could have really blown up in their face. Uh, and like I said, some organizations around the league probably don't handle it as as well. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of the uncertainty out of it, right? Because I know there was that that new ruling which deemed the the Brooklyn Brooklyn's practice facility a private building, so that would have cleared Kyrie to practice with the team. But even you know, is he going to practice? He's not going to play in home games. Is he going to play in away games? Um, Knowing that he is not going to play unless something changes now kind of solidifies the group that they have. They know who's going to play. Um, we will see. I, I think there's a couple directions they could go with their starting lineup. In preseason, the last two games, they started obviously Harden and Durant, but around them, they they start Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, and Bruce Brown as that fifth starter. Um, so if they continue going with that, Patty Mills comes off the bench in a six-man role. But as you said, Patty Mills could easily slot next to Durant, Harden, and Blake Griffin, um, and Joe Harris giving them another shooter and everything like that. So absolutely, this team is still incredibly talented. Um, they have two top 10 players, like I said. Chemistry-wise, you know, everything seemed to click well for them last year. But, I mean, I mean the big thing is the safety net, right? Because now if, if Harden goes down with an injury, or Durant, who, you know, two seasons ago he set out the entire season after tearing his Achilles, 
Um, and then last year, he only played 30-something games, um, being in and out of the lineup. So th- that that I feel like, to me, that's the biggest thing here. Not having Kyrie just takes that, that other star talent away um, and takes away that much of a safety net. But, you know, health provided, this team is going to still be an absolute handful. Um, we know that. We've seen signs of it last season and everything like that. So um, hopefully they can stay healthy because, as we've seen with the Lakers, they have not been able to stay healthy through preseason, which is a little bit worrying. So hopefully they kind of don't go down that same route. And the other thing is, is we're going to get into this or we're going to see this uh, as an NBA community in the next couple of weeks is that everyone expects these championship contenders to already be complete and final pieces like we we all first two weeks of the season if you know say the nets come out and, and they're 500 ball team you're going to see the overreaction of everybody panicking like oh here we go they we knew they were overrated we knew that they couldn't stay healthy we knew all these things the bottom line is as long as you're peaking by april to june you're fine right. like right like it, it, if you're the brooklyn nets as long as you are it, you know healthy and ready to rock by the time april comes around you're going to be fine and that is a long long time away from now there's 82 games between now and the postseason i think the nets will be able to tinker with their lineup figure it out find guys in the right rotations and as you said it it just removes any sort of doubt right now heading into the season everybody can go in there with a clear mindset of what they are ready to do and steve nash knows who he has in front of him and who he has to work with and again, a worst case scenario, Sean Marks can pick up the phone and make a deal. Like there's nothing out there that says you can't trade for more pieces. You can't improve this team now that you know what it is on paper. So you know, this is a this is a situation where I think Brooklyn will be fine. They're they're going to compete at a high level, and it might even allow James Harden, Kevin Durant to re-enter the MVP conversation that maybe they would have been out of if the big three are there intact. In that's that's fair. I mean, Harden, after a slow start last season, we know about all the drama. Um, he did make that MVP push when he first joined the Nets. And Kevin Durant, I mean, he played thirty something. He played less than half of the season, and there was still kind of a debate about whether or not he should be All NBA because of how good he was in those games. Um, so I, I'm with you on that front. I, I will just say though, like, I, I think it's safe to say this team is better when all three of them are out there on the court. Like, they are totally unguardable. Um, and obviously Harden and Durant have that chemistry of being teammates in Oklahoma City early in their careers. Um, but Kyrie kind of slid back into that role that he had when he played next to uh, LeBron in Cleveland, where he was basically just, you know, a score first guard um, who can who can shoot at an incredibly high rate off ball, but, you know, get his against pretty much anyone in isolation um, and attacking off the dribble and everything like that. So I, I'm with you on the MVP stuff, but I, I, I don't want to like, you know, discount how good of a player Kyrie is, as frustrating as he can be at times, um, this team's ceiling is definitely higher with him on the court. No question. And I agree with you. I, I hope that it doesn't come across saying that I think the Nets are better without Kyrie Irving because that is not what either of us are saying. I think what I'm trying to say is that I'm glad that the Nets nip this in the bud so it doesn't become a cloud of confusion yep. heading into the season. Um, and, uh, you know, shout out to Sean Marks and, and, and that entire Nets organization to get it right and, you know, continue us talking about what's on the court and not so much what's off the court because I think once this is done today you know we're not going to hear about this we're going to just be talking about wins and losses with the Brooklyn Nets um all right let's move to another situation that uh has a lot to unpack Ben Simmons (laughs) has knocked on the facility over in Philadelphia randomly on a Monday afternoon and said hey I'm back uh according to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and uh Sham Sharania Sharania um so He's back in Philly. 
Um, we can make all the jokes about where he's going to live since his, his residence is apparently reportedly up for sale and uh, he's moved all the stuff out. So maybe he's staying at a hotel, whatever the case may be. But the bottom line is Ben Simmons is back and he has reported a um, couple of things here. One, I think he made his point about uh, the trade demand that he made um you know in the off season i think he made his point about that right like at this point him not showing up to training camp uh the sixers preseason is pretty much over um and now he's looking forward to joining this team in the regular season i think he knows i think everybody involved knows that the best opportunity for the sixers to get a trade package that's worthwhile is if ben simmons goes out there and reminds everybody that he is the all-star that he can be and one of the best you know, defenders in the league. Um, but he has to do that on the court. He can't do that away from the team. So I think he realizes that now. And you know, whether he's there as a rental situation for the next two months or not, uh, whether he, he fully wants to be there for the remainder of his contract or not, I, I think he knows that you know, the only way that this thing is going to be resolved is for him to get back on the court. Now, that's one. The second thing is, you know, I'm sure he feels that, you know, he should be comfortable around his teammates. And I don't think that he would have returned to the team if he didn't feel like he would have been welcomed back with uh, maybe not open arms, but at least welcome back and that he could, you know, address his teammates and, you know, conduct business, so to speak, you know, go out there and play games. They, they all want to win, right? Like they, they all want to be, uh, you know, the NBA champions at one point or another in their career. So I think he, he understands that maybe, you know, not everybody's going to be 100% on board with how he did it. But bottom line is they know his talent. They know what he's about. And they're able to get, uh, you know, the best out of their team when he is there. So those two things really stick out to me. Um, now you, you kind of wait and see uh, how long it takes for, for Simmons to move, if that's still a, a thing. Um, or if he changes his mind. I don't know. You know, if I had to guess, and I don't know Ben Simmons from you know a can of paint, but if I had to guess, I don't think he's changing his mind. Especially if he we he just put us through that entire summer and the team through that entire summer. I think it's, you know, maybe the the relationship's over. But you know, you you got to show up, and the best way to to get out is to showcase yourself. And I think he's going to come out and and ball out. Where, where do you sit on this situation? I mean, it's 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 hard to know. Like even Woj in his article, um, the latest one of how everything has unfolded he he said it's you know what comes next is unclear um the one thing we do know is like the 76ers want to restart communication with simmons and kind of build that relationship back up i think um but it, even Woj wrote like it's unclear if simmons is simply reporting to the team because we know he's been um they've been withholding that money um, from him, which they are able to do and kind of taking money out for every game that he's missed or if he's actually rejoining the team and intends to play so there still seems to be like there's a lot up in the air right now um, Woj also said that, you know, the 76ers haven't come close to finding, I think, the deal that they want for Ben Simmons. So getting like an all-star caliber player back um, to pair with Joel Embiid to make the most out of his prime. And there's just been no traction. There's no traction right now on trade. So I'm with you. Like him being back, we talked about this last week, him being back, seeing him on the court again. A lot has been made about what Ben Simmons can't do, but he's a guy, he's, he's one of the most unique players in the NBA today. Um, a six foot, whatever, 10 point guard who's a walking um, floods with triple doubles on a nightly basis. You said arguably the best defender in the NBA, if not the best perimeter defender in the NBA. Philly had the second best defensive rating in the league last season on the strength of him and Joel Embiid. Um, and, you know, a lot, uh, they, they had a meltdown, I think it's fair to say, in that second round matchup with the Hawks. 
but they still lost a very close game seven that had they won they would have gone to the eastern conference finals and who knows what happens after that so um we we know that this team is good is it perfect is the relationship between him and joel and beat on the court what you'd want in kind of a one-two punch maybe not it's not the most seamless but they're a monster defensively um and i think there's some stuff that they can do to kind of figure out the offensive stuff but one key date to to keep an eye out for which which Woj did talk about is december 15th because that's when some players who signed contracts in the offseason will suddenly be eligible to be traded um so it who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of months, but it seems like that date, maybe things will start to kind of heat up on the trade market um, for Simmons, but for everyone else as well. I want to ask you this question because it just popped into my head while you were talking there. And I'm thinking about all that's gone into the Philadelphia 76ers and since the process started. Mm-hmm. Um, do you consider the process a failure if they trade Ben Simmons? No. No. It, look, the... the <laughs> The 76 has got Joel Embiid. I feel like the process works just because of that, because he is one of the five, ten best players in the NBA right now, runner up in MVP last season, arguably the most dominant um, two-way force in the league when he's at full strength. Um, I, I think that alone um, deems it a pretty good success. They also did get Ben Simmons, which through all his faults, he's still what, a three-time All-Star, like we just said, one of the best defensive players in the league. And you'd like to think that um, they will get something pretty good in return for Ben Simmons if they do trade him. I don't know if they're going to get the Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, um, which they are reportedly you know, interested in or would like. Um, but if they can get a good return for him, I think that's it's, it's hard to say that the, the process was a failure. Um, that's not to say, by the way, that they didn't, you know, there weren't some great decisions um, that they made over the last few years or throughout the process. You can say that for every team in the league. Um, every team you can kind of go back and nitpick things. So I think the fact that they did get Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, um, it, it's hard to say the, the the process was a failure in my eyes through that. I disagree with you. I think we're really. We're, I don't think it's a complete failure yet, but we are definitely heading in that direction, and this is why. Yes, they got Joel Embiid, and he's a terrific player. They also have Ben Simmons, a terrific player, and they've had great players around them that they have. Some of them they haven't been able to keep, but also some that they have been able to keep. Tobias Harris had a, a quietly a really good year last year. Like they've been able to build teams around them, and they've been able to build a championship team with both of them on this roster. I think last year I, you know, I, they were one of the favorites to win the championship. I think if yeah. you remove the drama from this summer and they just came back from the way they lost against Atlanta and everybody would have been on the same page, I think a lot of people would be picking them again to go to the NBA Finals this season. But I think if you lose Ben Simmons completely and you trade for it, you trade him, um, regardless of whether or not you get back a superstar or not, you, you are now in a, in a territory of championship or bust. Uh, if you end up with a, 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 a Bradley Beal or a Damian Lillard. And at that point, if you do not win a title, um, then it's a complete failure. I, I really do think that. And when you're winning 10 games in, in a season, uh, you know, granted it paid off. Like you said, they got two all-stars and Joel Embiid and, a super, and Ben Simmons. They were able, it paid off in talent. But we haven't seen it pay off yet in results. They, this is a team that hasn't made the conference finals yet, Scott, with those two guys. They have not made the conference finals. They've lost in two heartbreaking game sevens in the second round. That, to me, is just not good enough. It, it just it just isn't good enough. And until they're able to break through and, and win at a high level, um, I, I, I'm saying that it's, it's teetering towards failure. They now have a championship you know, head coach. They brought in Doc Rivers. Um, so I don't know how many changes you can make to the process for it to f- finally work. I don't know if I have trust in the process anymore. I really don't. 
I just don't know if I'd call it an absolute failure. And I'm someone who doesn't necessarily buy into the whole like championship or bust. Now, look, we, we just talked about the team for the Nets. I think they're in a slightly different situation because all the moves that they have made is very clearly to build a championship as soon as possible. Um, but I, I just I can't say the process is a failure for Philly, um, given, you know, this is still one of the best teams in the league. Like you said, um, they were being talked about as a title contender last year. Who knows? They can maybe get back to that level this year. Um, they are still a very competitive team. Even if Ben Simmons goes, I still think they're going to be good as long as Joel Embiid can stay healthy. And that's a completely different conversation. But he's that kind of player. So for me, I'm with like we can again, we can nitpick about some of the decisions they've made. They've absolutely fumbled some things. Um, they have had some heartbreaking losses. They've fallen short in the playoffs. Um, but they also, you know, that, that they had that game seven against the Raptors that came down to that final shot for uh, from Kawhi, which is one of the greatest shots in NBA history. Like if they win that and go to the Eastern Conference Finals, who knows what happens? If they get out of that game seven last year, but, and you but, can but play that did. game for a variety of teams. I, yeah, I know you can play did. that game, but for me, I just I wouldn't call it an outright failure. Um, that that's basically just. Kind it's of where it's, I am it's, tr- it's trending towards that. It, it, there's, I don't think it's been a success yet. Like you, you, you did it so that you could win, and winning hasn't really happened at a high level just yet. This team has not made the conference finals. That's why I keep going back to. And yes, you talk about the heartbreaking game seven losses. There's two of them there now: Atlanta and Toronto, as you mentioned. But that's it. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not good enough. Injuries play a factor into that stuff. I get it. Bad luck. You know, they, they had a team that was you know completely depleted with injury when they went into the bubble. That's all fair and dandy. But the bottom line is, you know, you tanked to be able to win a championship. That's what that's what you did. You didn't tank so you could have regular season success. They lost games so that they could one day hoist a Larry Bryan trophy, and they haven't been close to that yet. They're stopped in the middle uh, of a playoff run. They haven't sniffed a conference finals, um, you know, since the AI days. So uh, yeah, that's a long it. time. They sniffed I mean, it. Come okay, on, come they, on. They, they sniffed it. They <laughs> sniffed it, but they haven't played in the conference finals since the AI days. Like that's to, for putting that fan base through what you put them through to give them two failures in a second round. And and if this is where it ends, that's not good enough. I'm sorry. I'm still giving them. I'm still giving them an opportunity to finish this off because, like I said, Ben Simmons can change his mind. They could. They could very much get into the finals with him motivated this season. This is a championship caliber team with him this season. But if you trade him and you get back your pieces that you wanted and all that other stuff, and you don't win, it's a failure. I don't know. I don't know how you cannot say that. It is an absolute failure to me. Um, we could debate about this forever, but we'll we'll move on. Um, preseason. Something we really can't debate about, uh, but there is some things that uh, have caught at least my eye. Um, give me one thing that stood out to you so far in the preseason. All right, Con, clear the lane for me. I'm going to talk about OG Ananobi for like 20 oh, minutes. Oh boy, um, here we go. <laughs> no, look, I, I we cover the Raptors for NBA Canada. It's no secret. Um, so we watch a lot of Raptors games, but I think what OG Ananobi has shown in preseason, like everyone should be excited about, because we're talking about a guy who. His, his floor is super high already because he's proven to be a pretty reliable three-point shooter and one of the best all-around defenders in the NBA. Like it, It's probably flown under the radar outside of Toronto just how good of a defender OG Ananobi is. He legitimately guards like every single position um, and can just do everything on that end of the floor. And the next big step for him is to improve his off-the-dribble game, especially as a shooter. Um, and in preseason, he's shown exactly that. He's averaged through, I think, three games they've played. Um, he's averaging 19.3 points per game, 
on 50-50-90 shooting splits. And obviously it's a tiny sample, tiny sample size and you don't want to take anything too too big away from preseason. But it's the way that he is doing it that is so encouraging. Like he is taking step back jump shots, pull-ups off the dribble from mid-range, from three-point range. Um, he's already, through my little calculations on NBA.com stats, he's already made seven either pull-up, step back, or turnaround jumpers in preseason. And he made a total of 23 of those shots in 43 games last year. So he like he's just doing stuff we've never seen from him before. And he looks good doing it. And obviously with Siakam, uh, Pascal Siakam expected to miss the start of the season as he continues to recover from undergoing shoulder surgery. Um, the Raptors are going to need more from OG Ananobi. But even when he returns, like if, if he's someone who can kind of create a little bit more for himself, create a little bit for others, um, it's just going to raise the, the, the ceiling for this team down the road. And I'm just I'm super excited to see what the Raptors have. I don't know how competitive they're going to be this season. Like they're they're a very hard team for me to place. Um, but with all the pieces they have, all these like six 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 eight guys who can do a little bit of everything. They can push the push the ball. They can guard multiple positions. They can shoot. Like in a few years' time, this this team just has the potential to be super unique, super annoying to play against. Um, and OG Ananobi and his development is going to play a huge role in that. Yeah, I agree. I I am still a little skeptical about you know the just anointing OG as the uh, you know uh, most improved player of the year or, or, or seeing him break through what he has um, last couple of seasons. But I, I have seen the improvement in his game. There, he's clearly working on it. Like as you mentioned, yeah. like he there is a there are signs there, especially in the preseason. If you've been paying attention, um, that you know he, he he is working on his game. His handles better. Uh, he's stronger. He's finishing at the rim. He's he's, he's putting his head down. Um, those, those pull-up threes that he just couldn't hit before, they are starting to fall now. But this is, again, preseason. we got to wait and see. Uh, at least i got to wait and see to see if it translates into the regular season. I say all that, and I'm about to say this. Um, Tyler Hero, man. I know Here it's it just preseason. Here it is. But, but the swagger is back. I think the bubble swagger is back. Um, he, he's played really well in the four games for the Heat. The Heat as a whole have played really well. The Heat, I think, are going to be one of those teams where not many people are – there's a few people saying, hey, look out for them, look out for them, look out for them. But I don't think people realize how good this team can actually be. I don't think they expect this team to finish first in the Eastern Conference. I think they expect them to be a tough out in the playoffs, maybe – finish somewhere between fourth or fifth or maybe even third size third in the east but not you know compete with milwaukee or brooklyn or or even a a, a fully healthy and 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 together philadelphia team i really think that tyler hero's swagger is back um you know he, he is he started two games and in those two starts he looked incredible but it, for me it's the, the the games that he's coming off the bench and you can see it that the Heat are playing a style that I think he likes a little bit more with Kyle Lowry. The Heat are, are going to be pushing the tempo more than they have in the last couple of years with Lowry. And, and that's contagious. Uh, the unselfishness, giving the ball up. And that's going to help, especially when, you know, in the few times that Hero uh, has to start, but also plays on the same floor with Lowry. Uh, just having someone next to him that can put him in positions where. He can be successful, and because Kyle Lowry likes to push the pace, sometimes that doesn't always end up in a transition bucket, but it ends up in broken offensive possessions or broken defensive possessions on the other end where you're in a cross matchup with a guy you shouldn't be guarding, and you know Bam Adebayo is going to feast on that, and also Tyler Hero is going to feast on that because there's going to be a lot of times where Kyle Lowry identifies that the guy in front of Tyler Hero should not be guarding him, and that's when Tyler Hero could go to work and dance on him. So there's going to be maybe three or four possessions in a game where Tyler Hero now gets that because of the pace that the Heat are going to play at 
that he's going to be able to get some confidence and go to work. This is going to be a big season for him. Um, he has to have a bounce back year, not just for himself, but for the Heat to be successful and go as deep as they plan on going uh, in the postseason. He's coming off a, a full off season, so he can actually add on to his game. Last year, you know, in the bubble, people forget this Heat team that we, we heard a lot of talk about how short of a turnaround it was for the Lakers. The Heat were in that finals too, and they were beat yeah. up. Yeah, they, they they had you know Adebayo wasn't healthy. Uh, Hero was you know nicked up a little bit. Uh, Drogic was 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 out of the lineup. They were really uh, it was a war of attrition for them as well, and people kind of swept that under the rug because they were surprised to see them in the finals. Um, but they didn't have much of an off season. It was Tyler Hero's rookie year. Uh, he didn't have that that kind of um, you know break between his rookie year going into his sophomore year. It was just expectations galore. A lot of pressure on him. He couldn't work on his game because what can you do in 72 days to get prepared for the start of the regular season? You can't really mm-hmm. add anything to your game. So I think all of that uh, you know, being removed this year, he had the full offseason to be able to work on his game, get healthy, um, you know, find some counters to the things that teams start taking away from him. And also, there's going to be more talent around him. You know, there's going to be a a, a Markeith Morris suit that you know say what you want about him. There's still more talented, uh, you know, than he had coming off the bench with him last year. So as long as he could stay healthy, I think Tyler Hero should be in a good situation to not. I'm not saying he's going to win most improved, but I'm saying and I, and I'm not saying he's even going to be. Um, you know, dropping thirty in a, in, a, in a clutch situation, in, in like like he was in the bubble, but he should be a lot more consistent. And if he can be that, I think the Heat have a gem, and he'll be pushing for six men of the year. I think Duncan Robinson described the way that Calari plays as controlled chaos, uh, which I, I'm I'm annoyed that I didn't think about that sooner because that's just like the perfect way to describe his game um, and the way that he plays, the pace that he plays with, how he pushes the ball, all that. Um, I, I'm with you. Tyler Hero is going to have a huge role in this team this year. I, I think the starting five for Miami is pretty much set. Like we know, it's going to be Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, and Bam Adebayo. But when you start to look at that 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 second unit, I mean, Victor Oladipo, we have no idea what to expect from him and when he's going to return. Um, and then essentially, it's like yeah, like you said, it, it's it's Marky Morris, it's it's Dwayne Dedman, um, it's Max Struess. And Tyler Hero is really going to be that person who's kind of setting that tone for that second unit. And, you know, he, he could, against certain teams um, in the playoffs, I, absolutely we could see him close games on nights that he has it going and everything. But I think he's going to have a huge role in this team and kind of um, leading that second unit and giving them that punch that they need. Because this team also isn't super young. Like, Kyle Lowry is, you know, in his mid-30s. Jimmy Butler... Um, obviously, I, I think it's safe to say he's still in his prime, but he's racked up a ton of minutes in his career. P.J. Tucker, um, you know, last season, last postseason, clear that he's not going to give you all that much offensively anymore. Defensively, he's still very much an impact player, um, but he's also up there age-wise. And, I mean, you still have Bam Adebayo, who the best years are still to come for him. Duncan Robinson isn't the youngest player, considering he's entering, what, his third or fourth season in the league, um, but he still has room for improvement. But I, Tyler Hero is, is, I feel like he's one of those players who could kind of swing um, the NBA this season. Like if he has that breakout season that we were all expecting last season, if he is like an MIP or six man of the year type of player, um, that, that could really kind of change the look for this Heat team. Yeah, yeah I, I love I love Tyler Hero going into this year. Uh, by the way, I'll, I'll be able to see him uh, live next week. I'm, I'm going to uh, Heat Bucks, home opener nice. for the Miami Heat. Uh, in the Bucks' second game of the year, so should be interesting. They've been uh, they've been very very entertaining to watch. If you have been watching in the preseason, talking about the Miami Heat, 
Uh, all right, quick WNBA finals update, Scott. Uh, it is the finals. I was wrong. I was wrong. I thought the uh, Las Vegas Aces would cruise past uh, the Mercury and make it to the finals. They did not. Um, I'm a little disappointed in the way they finished that uh, series. I, I really thought that they uh, – well, credit to the to, to the Mercury for playing, uh, for playing tough and uh, really kind of, you know, Turning the aces into a team that I should that I'm kind of disappointed in, but uh, you know that went it was a thriller went to uh, five games max five games in that uh, in that series, and now we have a final between the Mercury and the Sky. The Sky had been dealing with injuries all year long, and now they're peaking at the right time uh, here in the finals. They're up one nothing in the finals. Game two of the best of five goes down on Wednesday the thirteenth, uh, nine p.m. You find that on ESPN. Uh, tune in if you have not yet. Candace Parker is uh, one of the all-time greats, and uh, when, anytime you get an all-time great in the finals, and you never know, you know, uh, not to not to call her career over, but she is getting up there in age, and uh, you know, has some uh, some other things that she could do. She can sit on the, this TNT set. She can uh, you know sit on the NBA TV set. She's already has her uh, her kind of claws into a second part of her career, and she does a great job uh, in, in the studio shows that she's a part of. Um, but still, balling at a high level right now, and if she's able to kind of get one more, and by the way, be a hometown win from her, uh, that mm-hmm. would be incredible. What a great story uh, for Candace Parker if she's able to do it. On the other side, Diana, Diana Taurasi, again, someone else that you don't want to call her career over, but we're definitely getting near that. She was just named the GOAT by uh, fans around the world. Um, they they unveiled the, uh, the, the the 25 best players in WNBA history, and then Diana Taurasi won the GOAT award, and she's in the finals maybe for the last time. Who knows? Um, but if she's able to pull one off and kind of you know put that bow on her incredible career, that'd be fantastic. So it is drama, drama full uh, in the in the anytime we get to the finals for any sport, any league, it doesn't matter who's there. It there always feels like there is drama or storylines that we could pull from. But uh, regardless of who you're rooting for, there's definitely something that uh, you know worthwhile to root for uh, on both sides. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned just Tarasi and Parker, but you know there there is a ton of other storylines uh, around them. Um, we want to quit say you know prayers to Kia Nurse and her injury that that, that uh, definitely sucked her watching her go down. Um, you know, in in that series, uh, is tough, and uh, I you know have had interaction with her. Don't can't say that I know her, but I've had interaction with her just based off of what we do, Scott. And she's mm-hmm. awesome, and I know that she's going to come back better and better, you know, bigger and better and stronger uh, than ever um, when she's able to get back on the court. So uh, prayers to her, and hopefully, uh, maybe the Mercury can pull one off her. But if not, it would be great to see Candace Parker uh, hoist another championship. Yeah, that was tough to to see Kianos go down, um, and has such a huge role in this team. So that's that's a big component missing um, for the Mercury. But like, yeah, I mean, we see it in the NBA all the time, right? It's like you never know how much longer these players have left in the tank. So any opportunity to see two legends kind of go head to head in Candace Parker and Diana Taurasi, like you got to make the most out of it. So um, yeah, four more games left, right? Potentially. So uh, got to make yeah. the most out of it. Yeah. Hopefully they give us a, a thrilling series. Let's let's go to five. I really don't have a, a rooting interest, so but I would love to see a game five. Sorry, sorry, both fan bases. I know you would want that. <laughs> this is stressful, but for someone neutral, uh, I'm happy to see that. Uh, all right, Scott. One week away from the start of the NBA season, we will be back next week, same time, right here across the NBA Global Networks, 1 p.m. Eastern time, 10 a.m. Pacific time. If you missed any part of the show, you know you can find it wherever you get your podcast, NBA Sound System, and I want to do a quick 
quick shout out and we should probably do this a lot more but anytime you have uh, or any, wherever you get your podcast and your podcast catcher um it, it would mean a lot to us if you just spent five minutes just going in there giving us the five star rating i hate to be like the uber driver that's like begging for for five star ratings but it really <laughs> does help us a lot a lot to get the podcast out to even more people so if you are enjoying what you hear wherever you're hearing it just drop a five star rating for us uh it's free of charge we're not we're not charging you to do it and it, and it but it means a lot and it goes a long way for us to get to the next level here with this podcast so again nba sound system five star rating catch us on a live show across the nba global networks 1 p.m eastern time 10 a.m pacific for scott rafferty i'm carlin gay we'll be back next week next tuesday opening day in the regular season 2021 2022 bucks nets lakers warriors can't wait we will see you then